Tel Aviv go on strike. Nicey and Nasdaq emerge victorious from a court spat with the SEC, while Nasdaq pulls ahead, enjoying a bumper crop of IPOs 44 to 27 against the New York Stock Exchange for new listings so far this year. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. Plaudits to Nasdaq, easing ahead of NYSE in the US IPO market, which has a vibrancy that would have been simply unbelievable three months ago as lockdown began. Likewise, Hong Kong is showing a remarkable degree of new issue activity. One issue this week from China was no less than 360 times oversubscribed. That new issue activity is somewhat flying in the face of many economic fundamentals around the world. True, those fundamentals are changing fast in a very, very volatile environment economically. But once again, the flexibility of modern for-profit exchanges demonstrates the sound management and key benefits of the exchange model at the heart of digital commerce. Nasdaq leads right now and well done across 71 new listings in the United States of America. They have 44 compared to, very impressive equally, 27 at the New York Stock Exchange. And that's before we look at the many successful follow-on offerings enabled to permit more financing in this COVID-19 era in the US capital markets. In Italy, there's a five-star argument. It seems that that party, the five-star, which is descended from a comedian, is in a row wanting to buy out the Milan Stock Exchange. We discussed that last week. Having considered the issue, and given this is Italy and the world's most Machiavellian investment bank, Mediobanca, are involved, I cannot help but think the motives here are much more ulterior than concerns about MTS trading. The closed-minded nationalism of Five Star demonstrates fairly standard closed-minded, outmoded, left-wing thinking so prevalent in Europe it is killing the economy in Italy and far beyond. Meanwhile, on a settlement which I don't think anybody can be too proud of, T plus eight years, finally, Turkish government bonds are going to be coming to Euroclear, the Brussels-based EU settlement house. The negative oil mystery carried on this week. Day traders are a new wrinkle, went the argument. It was a worryingly misguided analysis, suggesting that it was day traders at TD Ameritrade and E-Trade, as well as those already declared at IBKR, who, when suffering technical glitches due to the negative pricing in that huge cushion crisis of more than a month ago, meant they couldn't sell once they realised prices had turned negative. It's a worryingly misguided analysis. At least there is one key takeaway. Scapegoating brokerages who were left with a devil's alternative to either implement software changes in ludicrously short timelines or simply not be able to offer trading. That all took place at a time when priority was ensuring market technology functioned during enormous volatility. I would suspect goodwill to CME has drained despite the voluble claims of that entity to have been hugely ahead of the curve when it gave several days notice and one might argue very muted notice that it had all of a sudden enabled negative pricing in a previously untouched, rather aged futures contract. The parish needs to seriously consider its stance going forward as this sort of article is just the latest cloudification of what remains a fundamental product design issue. Moreover, I suspect brokers will consider suspending contracts in future situations where exchanges attempt these mid-air jet engine replacement approaches. 
crunchy alternatives are required for exchanges to demonstrate who has foresight and who are just riding the waves amongst the management of exchanges. More intelligent analysis this week from Energy Intel and indeed the Intercontinental Exchange themselves. Essentially it boils down to one thing. Brent is bolstering its position as the price anchor in the global oil market. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Over in Hong Kong, the spat continues. Pompeo, the US Secretary of State, has been urging global stock exchanges to tighten rules for Chinese companies. Nonetheless, it's a pragmatic and sensible series of remarks we witnessed this week from the Trump administration, as indeed is echoed by the head of Nasdaq. At the same time, the Hong Kong exchange says many US-listed Chinese firms are planning Hong Kong follow-on offerings. When it comes to the EU, reform was a huge topic of discussion this week. Bloomberg led with a headline, The Brexit Regulatory Bonfire Begins in the EU. It's all about research in this case, but at the same time, all one can say is, Exchange Invest remains the cheapest source of bourse business insights, even at our 2020 rates, which came into effect on June the 1st. At the same time, the EU has said that the UK trade talks will shape the bloc's stock market. That's politic writ large. The UK dwarfs the EU's 27 wholesale financial industry centres and their attempts to corral high-level suzerainty over British trade and especially financial trade looks to be up in the air right now. We also witnessed a final report of the EU High-Level Forum on Capital Markets. It's a great report. The problem is we have no confidence whatsoever that the EU can actually get its act together in order to deliver a capital markets union, which, let's face it, it has already spent six years achieving nothing. When it comes to deals this week, Deutsche Börse successfully placed a 600 million euro hybrid bond at an attractive yield of just 1.25%. It can be used as capital, which returns us to the heated debate of whether DB1 might be somehow artificially inflating its CCP balance sheet through such debt. While that old argument appears to have died down, it could rise up again as a result of skin-in-the-game discussions being led by the BIS on behalf of its banks, for instance. Elsewhere, SEBI, the Indian regulator, it seems may give in principle approval to the National Stock Exchange of India's long-awaited IPO. Naturally, conditions will be attached. I quote, the exchange will need to furnish all details of co-location cases, including the escrow account where co-location income is parked. Then it is for the investors to decide whether they want to invest or not, according to a source unnamed at SEBI. That amounts to a very pragmatic approach by the Indian regulator to let the market decide on this, the one exchange which has been trying to IPO for, well, nigh on a decade now. In the Ukrainian exchange, the US Freedom Holdings have acquired a 20% stake. That's been approved by the local regulator. Elsewhere, China's Carbon Market Exchange has completed its trading platform test. That's a new market coming up in the near future, while at the opposite end of the carbon spectrum, plans are afoot for India's first coal exchange. The Korean Agricultural Online Exchange is saving time and money for producers and retailers, went a headline in Pulse News, having digitised wholesale transactions of agricultural crops. And finally, in the new markets coming up this week, Angola has established a diamond hub and an Angolan diamond bourse. Now we all know, ladies and gentlemen, COVID-19 is a killer. 
Can it kill your career? Or is that the impact of fintech destroying your business? It's a victory or death world of opportunity. To understand how technology is affecting life and markets, there's a new book to help you. 20 years on from the excitement of the original fintech bestseller capital market revolution, it's time to look at some of those loose strands hanging around which need a spot of perspective. Whether you are an exchange parishioner, a fintech professional, or anybody just trying to stay abreast of where technology is now driving investments and finance. Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World is an easy read explaining the differing and diverging role of banks and exchanges, explaining the winning business models of the new world order and placing in perspective just what Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency means for markets. 70,000 words of pure play, P-L-Y pith, pacily discussing matters of moment and revisiting the original trailblazing first fintech bestseller, Capital Market Revolution, which, when published in 1999, proved, even if I say so myself, rather prescient. It's a binary world. Your career will sustain or collapse in the next stage of the digital world. Hence the title, Victory or Death, lest you need reminding of the exciting times for finance in which we are living. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive after the podcast, try our Pugcast, IPO-vid. In Patrick's opinion comes to the small screen with a series of investor videos, including my guest star Toby the Pug. Lots of news on Cumex this week. Most excitingly, the German finance ministry plans to extend the statute of limitations to 30 years on this fraud. No one is getting out of here unscathed. In the US, there was jubilation amongst the US exchanges led by Nasdaq and NYSE. They got a court win on the 2018 SEC ruling in the data fee debate. That battle was a clear setback for the SEC's rather poor approach to this whole issue. Indeed, there was an excellent article by Nasdaq chief economist Phil McIntosh this week, NMS2, Why Forced Competition Actually Costs Investors More. Elsewhere, one strike this week. The Tel Aviv Stock Exchange, a dispute over employee bonuses, has shut the exchange during the course of its Sunday trading day, which started the week in Israel. Of course, trading is resumed by Monday, but the shadow remains over TASE, which has long been subject to strike action over the years, whether in private or indeed public ownership. In product news this week, the Chicago Board Options Exchange, their futures exchange, is planning a launch of Minivix Futures. That's actually a reissuance of a product that they offered between March 2009 and February 2014. It seems logical as full-sized VIX futures are now beyond the retail trading community, and there is presumably vast demand as the likes of Bloomberg and CNBC TV gush about the VIX endlessly as the apotheosis of cool product. Given VIX ought to be likely superseded soon in a big data world, it's no bad idea for CBOE to try to milk the product, gain a larger retail following, and then hope to accelerate the move into a next-generation product more seamlessly. In Shanghai, they've unveiled the trading rules for their low-sulfur fuel oils futures contract, while Romanian lawmakers have disappointingly voted to postpone IPOs of state firms by two years. That's of course a huge disappointment because the Bucharest Stock Exchange ranks amongst the smallest in the Central and Southern Eastern European region with a market capitalization of merely 9.5% of GDP in 2019. London Metal Exchange, they're looking into low-carbon aluminium trading, and the National Commodity Derivatives Exchange of India, they've developed a rainfall index, which hopefully will be the basis for weather derivatives in the near future. Turquoise Plato, they have readied the launch of At Trade At Last for the closing auction, 
and the Indonesian government is mulling the issue of diaspora bonds towards the end of this year. As I hinted earlier in the show, NetEase was that incredible follow-on listing in Hong Kong. It got, as the South China Morning Post noted, a lot of love from investors, outselling the amount of stock on offer by 360 times. Exchange Invest is the daily must-read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of Boris Bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the exchange of information their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. Technology news this week. The National Stock Exchange of India was hit briefly by a technical glitch, which is very unlike its usually near 100% uptime. But at the same time, they made the seismic announcement of the week in technology. They're going to withdraw the Now trading platform. That's their front end that connects them to the brokers and traders throughout the market. Ultimately, it is a huge, but some might say Pyrrhic victory for what used to be called financial technologies. The company now known as 63 Moons, the original vehicle of Jignesh Shah, is already offering its trading software at a 50% discount in order to hoover up the remains of the market, given the fact that its product, Odin, already has something like 70% of the connectivity market in India. Elsewhere, Nasdaq Ventures invested in the automated financial crime investigations firm Caspian, Very intriguing investment in a growing segment there, while Nasdaq Basic Canada has launched on the cloud. It's a cost-saving data product, which just shows when you don't actually try to impose centralised, almost kleptocratic rationalisation of data in a communist fashion. The exchanges themselves can come up with lower-cost, more efficient alternatives. In People News this week, the bounce back of Ashley Alder continues. As you'll remember, Mr. Alder was retiring as the boss of the Hong Kong regulator just over a month ago. After being mentioned as possibly the boss of the FCA, he suddenly reappeared with a wonderful new contract to keep running the Hong Kong SFC. Now he's been re-elected as chairman of the IOSCO, the international regulatory body. Tragic news, one MCX staffer succumbed to COVID-19. Bourse operations were unaffected, but this poor 36-year-old chap had stayed in the exchange for six weeks to run core operations during the initial phases of the lockdown. It's a very sad tale of a team who were isolated within the exchange, but unfortunately ended up infecting each other with COVID-19. One other unfortunate piece of health news, the Hong Kong activist investor and former non-executive director of the Hong Kong Exchanges Group, David Webb, is stepping back from his role as really the ultimate corporate governance arbiter in the independent field in Hong Kong. He's diagnosed with prostate cancer and we wish him all the very, very best. Nobody can doubt his devotion to wishing to improve market standards and we wish David every success and good health in the future. And thus, ladies and gentlemen, we arrive at the end of a very quick gallop through the world of bourses. There were hundreds of other stories, of course, in Exchange Invest this week to which you can subscribe and receive the daily pith every day. However, I'll leave you with one sad tale of, well, no trade at all. There was shock and surprise during the course of this week when one whole day's trading at the Dar es Salaam Stock Exchange recorded a volume of zero. Fortunately, the next day looked better with some trading taking place. But at the same time, well, on a disappointing note from the African continent, 
a mysterious and magnificent continent. This is myself, the mysterious and magnificent Patrick L. Young, wishing you a great week in life and markets. Thanks for listening. This has been the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast number 49. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.